This is a Federal News Network podcast. First, the military services are getting more attention from Congress on the conditions of their government-owned maintenance depots. Members are concerned that deteriorating facilities are the result of chronic underfunding. Now the chairman of the House Readiness Subcommittee wants detailed plans on what the military is going to do to fix things within the next five years. We get more now from Federal News Network's Jared Serbu. The most recent comprehensive review of DOD's maintenance depots, conducted by the Government Accountability Office in 2019, found 12 of the 21 facilities were in poor condition based on DOD's own rating criteria. Only four were rated as good condition, and inside those facilities, the equipment workers use to repair ships, planes, and ground vehicles is showing its age, too. GAO says the average age of that equipment had already exceeded its planned service life at 15 of the depots. The same year GAO issued that report, the military services responded to congressional demands by preparing 20-year plans to improve facility conditions. But California Congressman John Garamendi, the Readiness Subcommittee chairman, says the military services budget since then have not demonstrated a clear commitment to turn things around. Attack submarines have recently sat idle for years because of inadequate shipyard capacity and public shipyards are in such abysmal condition that the Navy has estimated it will not be able to service the Ford-class aircraft carriers or complete one-third of its required maintenance availabilities between now and 2040. we got a problem. The military has a problem. This committee perceives a problem, and we damn well intend to solve it. It's not the first time Congress has expressed concern about the state of DOD's organic depots. Besides the legislation that required the military services to draw up infrastructure optimization plans in 2019, the following year's defense authorization bill required the Pentagon to deliver a depot investment strategy for DOD as a whole. During a hearing on Thursday, Giramendi complained that that report is now a year late, But more to the point, Congress needs to know what the military is doing right now to turn around the worsening facility conditions. He told defense officials the committee wants to see nearer-term facility improvement plans within the next 90 days. What are you going to do in the next five years? Uh, And we would like to have that in detail, Uh, beginning with what is the first step in all that you must do in any significant improvement in your facilities, and that is the preliminary engineering and environment, uh, those reviews, what is going to be necessary uh, for each of your depots and arsenals and shipyards, and and also what the approximate cost of that will be and the timelines associated with it. Uh, We intend to be drilling down. Some would say we're going to get into the weeds. This committee is not messing around. We're going to drive this issue. Besides creating those optimization plans, military service officials say they've already started putting more resources toward facility improvements. By law, at least 6% of the revenue government depots take in from maintenance activities has to be plowed back into improving and sustaining the facilities themselves. The Army says it exceeded that benchmark in each of the last two fiscal years. The Air Force says it spent $2 billion on depot upgrades over the past four years. The Navy, meanwhile, says it's taking the problem of deteriorating facilities seriously by creating a dedicated program executive office to oversee improvements under its Shipyard Improvement and Optimization Plan. Frederick Stefani, the Acting Assistant Secretary of the Navy for Research, Development and Acquisition, says the approach applies the same level of rigor the military would normally use for a major acquisition program. We have an executive flag officer, a program executive officer, to provide that executive oversight, one person that's accountable to us and accountable to you, frankly, 
for making sure the whole program works. And then we have a typically an 06 uh, program manager who does the day-to-day -day business, right? So that structure of an executive in, at the Pentagon, a single person for execution in the Pentagon, and then an executive to run, um, make sure it's all running together and bring it all brought together in a strategic mode, and then a program manager to do the day-to-day and that's the decision process for execution. There's lots of other stakeholders, but they don't get a vote. That's the voting process. Program manager, PEO, and then the a service secretary. Uh, on the requirement side, again, at the same time, on the requirements and resourcing side, a single three-star in this case has been identified in the Navy to be responsible for the resourcing and the requirements. And that's what we would typically do with a major acquisition program as well. The Navy estimates that overall effort will cost $21 billion over 20 years. But Giramendi says Congress isn't seeing the seriousness of the issue reflected in DOD's proposed budgets. The defense authorization bill the House passed for 2022 also demonstrates that concern. For each of the services, the legislation added $900 million above and beyond what the Pentagon requested to modernize depot infrastructure. Garamendi says he suspects the defense budgeting process is turning needed facility upgrades into a bill payer for other military spending priorities. Show us the money. I know that that'll be in the president's budget. But I know that budget will be uh, scrubbed and washed and uh, hung out to dry and uh, significantly shrunk by what is needed. We will find a way, given the ISR capabilities of our extraordinary professional staff on both sides, to know what it is you have proposed to each of the departments. We'll find out what is it that you proposed, and then we'll find out what the secretary has actually approved. And if those two do not match up to the expectations of the five-year program that you'll develop for us, your replacements as the permanent appointees, they will hear from us. Jared Serbu, Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual, actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. 
How would you describe your leadership style and how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. 
It's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes, when I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they gonna say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon. Uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons and in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is, is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler, and to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast. We'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, Think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.